How many of you remember what the month of March, what our focus is for the month of March? Who can remember? We've got four weeks devoted to, what is it? Mental health. Um, So our focus for the month of March is mental health month for, for the church. And one of the most important things that I think we can be doing, and I think many of you will agree, is have those kinds of hard discussions in church. It was a good number of years ago. Uh, I, I don't know how many years, I would say probably six years ago, when Shane and I determined that we would, we would commit the month of March to this practice at our church um, that we planted years ago. The, the, the kinds of, uh, the overwhelming response was so positive. I can remember a 27-year-old in our church saying that, and she'd grown up in the church, saying that these weeks were the most important weeks she's ever had in church. I can remember that there were people who sought help for men, their mental health issues following those months, that, the month that we spent together. And there were people that learned how to identify um, with, they knew who the safe places were within the church where they can truly talk about and truly be themselves. And I know that we're just getting to know each other. We don't quite know each other yet. Um, We're still learning who you are, and I think that's the fun part of being new and being together and um, is discovering each other and finding out those unique and special qualities of each other. And I look forward to doing that. But unfortunately, a lot of times we come to church, the, the most important and the deepest things, the deepest issues that we have, we leave at home. And we come and we somehow feel like our job is to make sure that everybody knows that we're acing life, that we're doing really well all the time, and that we don't struggle. And I, I want to make sure that we, we talk about what's real. And the, what's real is that we all struggle. So Shane and I... Um, uh, have committed to making sure this is a practice that we do. It continues to be a priority because, according to the National Institute of Mental Health, nearly one in five U.S. adults has some form of mental illness, including depression, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, post-traumatic stress disorder, obsessive-compulsive disorder, crippling anxiety, autism, and the list goes on. And according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, suicide was the fourth leading cause of death for people ages 35 to 54, and the second for ages 10 to 34, the second leading cause of death. Those of us who are involved in higher education, as I am, uh, the EAB, this group that comes and they bring to us the trends that are happening in higher education, Typically, those are sort of, they come in and they tell us about the demographics of those that are seeking higher education. It's a long talk about how do we, how do we bring people into higher ed, but the leading, uh, the number one trend that they're seeing in higher education is the suicide rates are off the chart, charts, that we can't even keep enough people on staff to manage the mental health issues that are, that are happening And so at Radiant Life, we want to be about shattering the stigma attached to mental illness that isn't attached to other diseases. There are those that are sitting here, maybe even today, that believe Scripture wasn't necessarily made for them because they're not normal. It's made for you. It's made for someone else. 
Pastor Shane this morning talked about being fearfully and wonderfully made, and there are those that don't believe that about themselves. They sort of believe that they were a mistake and that they weren't fearfully and wonderfully made, that somehow they got through. Um, and don't believe the things that the, the Scripture says about them. So we want to stop perpetuating the dangerous assumptions that suffering associated with mental illness is a consequence of sin or insufficient faith. And we want to take the lead as a church in becoming a place of refuge and safety for those who suffer. Families touched by mental illness represent an enormous potential mission field, literally within the shadows of our church. So we need to speak up because our fears of stigma send a clear message that God is not interested in our suffering and serious problems that have no place in the church. And our faith has no answers for hardships like these. God cares so much about our suffering and calls us to attend to those who suffer. Jesus wants to be renewing our minds. Pastor Shane will talk about that today. So we need to offer our faith family, those that suffer with mental illness, those who are caring for people with mental illness, we need to offer them a supportive care structure, helping them spiritually, help them understand where God is in the situation, and help, them, help connect them more fully to God in the midst of their suffering. We need to be a church that recognizes a broken spirit just as easily as it does a broken arm and takes it just as seriously. So all of you um, know that I have had a sister who's ill and that has a, she's fighting a blood cancer. Her body is turning against her. Um, she is having to fight these cells that just keep reproducing. Uh, this is her second bout with cancer, and you have been praying with us, and I'm so grateful for that. But what you don't know is that I have a sister, a twin sister, fraternal twin sister, who is um, struggling and is in the fight of her life with bipolar one disorder. She was diagnosed in her 30s, and I can remember the day that I got a call. I was at work at the university that I was serving in at the time, and I didn't realize that day would send us down a dark uh, journey. And that was when my twin sister and I, our lives took sharply different turns. She married a Nazarene pastor. We married within six months of each other. Her, she has two kids, a boy and a girl, just as I have. And they're six months apart from each other, all of them. Her husband's birthday is on the same day as my husband's birthday. So that's pretty, pretty astounding. It's one of those weird twin things that happen. Um, but when she received that diagnosis, our lives took a sharp turn. My sister, in order to stop herself from the impulses that her disease brings on, has tried to kill herself over a dozen times. And every day that she wakes up is a struggle. And she's my hero. So why is it that in the church we can pray openly about a sister who has cancer and that too often we don't pray openly for people who have a lifelong journey of darkness and torment in their own minds? And why is it as easy for us to believe that cancer 
is, is something that the body has done. We can talk about that, how the body is. It's a result of the fall. We all know that all of our bodies are made um, with, with issues over time. Why is it hard for us to understand that, that that's the same thing that happens with people who struggle with mental illness? I want us to be thinking about our role as a body of believers in becoming a place of refuge and hope for those who suffer. By saying openly that we're in this with you, and in some cases, we are you. We are just like you. How many of you would raise your hand today and say you've been personally and profoundly touched by mental illness in some form, either by your own suffering or the suffering of someone close to you? I have. (laughs) One of the ways that I responded when my sister was diagnosed was in a way that I could have never, to this day, don't understand entirely. But most often when we're facing things of this magnitude, sometimes we find ways to cope that aren't healthy. At that point, uh, a couple years after her diagnosis, I began to deal, deal with my own issues. Uh, I think in order to control, and of course with the years of counseling that I had, in order to find something that I could control, eating became the thing that I could control. And I stopped eating. Uh, At that time I had an eating disorder, and though my eating disorder is not in a place where I'm in danger of it, I still certainly fall back to that need, that desire to want to control when life feels out of control. And I'll bet you that there are people in this room who feel similarly that there are things that we lean on and, and ways that, and practices that we have to cope with the things that we're dealing with that maybe we need to talk about in the church. And why would that be so bad for us to talk about those things in the church? And I think it's important that we talk about it. This isn't going away, and it's something we need to make sure that we're addressing. My sister... Um, grew up with a twin, and I think in some ways that was helpful for her, and in other ways it wasn't because her twin was not afflicted, and it was easy for her to look and say, that's what I should be, but this is what I am. And over time, God has begun to work in her, and she's a work in progress and will be for the remainder of her life, but I want you to know that I know that God came for Neely, to seek and to save the broken and the hurting and the lost. And my sister is broken, and God loves my sister. All of you know that, uh, that Missy is struggling, and it would be a wonderful blessing if we could also begin to pray for my sister Neely, my twin sister Neely, who struggles. Um, And my guess is that many of you have stories and the ways that your lives have been touched by mental illness. And the statistics say that I am right. And I challenge us to open our minds and hearts to what God would have for us in the weeks ahead. I want you to know that I'll remain after service prepared to talk with you or pray with you. And if you're new here, I want to tell you from this pulpit, you are welcome in this place with all that you are, all that you bring And we're prepared to love you through your journey, through its ups and downs and twists and turns, and we won't give up on you. We are not the, we're not the experts, we're not the doctors, we're not 
you know. <laughs> we don't administer meds. We don't, you know, totally have a great grip on this. We have some professionals that we're going to be bringing in next week, some doctors, a husband-wife team from Australia. <clears throat> They'll be with us next week. You'll want to be here. We're speaking to you today out of our own lives. We're speaking to you today out of our own struggles. Um, and there's a passage in Scripture. I mean, you know, I've, I've read the Scriptures, and I, I, there's nowhere in the Bible where it says mental illness. <laughs> Uh, but there are passages and there are people, no doubt, that David struggled with depression. No doubt. You know, the ups and the downs, times of um, disorientation in his life, which led to new orientation and that cycle. Um, we see this story, and, and for me, this story, I think, is one of the greatest stories when I'm thinking about mental illness. And so I want to share it with you, and I. I want this to be helpful for us today. You know, again, as Kelly's talked about, whether it be disorders, addictions, struggles, depression, anxiety, cutting. Um, Ephesians six twelve tells us that our struggle, we do struggle. We all struggle. It tells us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We have a savior that's greater than our struggle. Amen? Amen. Our savior is greater than our struggle. We all struggle. So we're in it together. We're all struggling. No matter what kind of mask you want to wear to church, we all have things that we're going up against every day throughout the week. And we need to be there for one another. It says in 1 Peter 5, 5, 5, verse 8, you need to be alert. You need to pay attention. You need to be a sober mind. You need to be in your right mind. Your enemy, the devil, that's the enemy. The enemy is the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, looking for someone to destroy. He's a thief. He has come to bring destruction. He can't stand you. He can't stand your family. He's, he's after us. Jesus himself said in John 16, 33, you need to be aware of this. I've told you these things, Jesus said, so that in me, you can have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have struggle. But I don't want you to lose heart. I want you to take heart. I don't want you to throw in the towel. Because I've overcome the world. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Jesus has overcome. Jesus has defeated death. That's why I have hope as a believer. If Jesus was a dead Jesus, and that's going to be an Easter message. If I was living for a dead Jesus, I mean, my faith is dead My religion is dead. I mean, I don't have a Jesus who's still buried. I don't have a Jesus who's dead. I have a Jesus who's alive, who's conquered the grave, who's conquered death, and he lives in me, he lives in you, and so no matter what our struggle is, we have a Savior who's greater than our struggle. So I want to encourage you when it comes to your mind, 
I totally believe this today, that our mind is a battlefield. I'm all about having a right mind, and I believe a right mind is a renewed mind. And so Romans 12, 2 says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. Then, and only then, will you be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Tells us in Philippians 2.5, it says, in your relationship with each other, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset, the same mindset as Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And get a hold of this, we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Jesus Christ. For far too long, we've been believing the lies of the enemy. You know, it goes back, and I didn't put this in my notes, but it goes back to the Garden of Eden. It goes back to that three-pronged hook, that lie that was told to Eve and to Adam. And what was that? You're not good enough. You could be good enough. You can't trust God. That was a three-pronged hook. And today, somehow, thousands of years later, it's reached us right here in Rancho Penasquitos. We believe, I'm not good enough. Even though when God made me in Genesis 1.27, he says, very good. We are the apex. We are the very best of creation. That's why he saved the best for last. He made us. And he said, very good. And then the enemy came along and said, not good enough. Could be good enough. And then we, we move into this works kind of thing, right? Where we're just trying to earn it. We're trying to prove it. And, and as I look at back at my own life, all throughout my life that the enemy has told me, he's whispered in my ear, you're not good enough. In sixth grade, when I was held back in school, spent the best two years of my life in sixth grade. <laughs> Liked it so well the first time I did it again. But he whispered that lie, you're not good enough. I have to make excuses when I'm talking to the other kids why I was held back. Not smart enough. And I believe that lie. I believe that lie because it was told to me again when I was getting ready to go into ministry. I was told it by a pastor who said to me, you know what, I would never hire you to work at my church because you don't have education. You're not good enough. That's what I heard. That's not what he said. That's what I heard. You're not good enough. And I've believed that lie. But you can be good enough, right? So you go and you get all these degrees, you know, get two master's degrees, MDiv equivalent, doctoral program. But you know what? I still... To this day, I still have an enemy who whispers in my ear that you're not good enough. And I have a choice. I can either either believe what the enemy says or I can believe what my maker says. And my maker says, very good. I don't make mistakes. And it comes to trusting God. You can't trust God. God knows that when you eat of the fruit that your eyes are going to be open. You're going to be like, God's intimidated by you. (laughs) You can't trust God. And that was a three-pronged hook. They swallowed it. And because of that, we have... Disease, because of that we have death, because the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We have everything that we're dealing with today, all right? And I don't mean to just simplify it, but 
we're in, we're in the mess that we're in today because this is the world that we thought we wanted. <laughs> I want to return it, right? This is what we thought we wanted. I'm going to do things my way, not God's way. And that's why we're in the mess that we're in today. So I've entitled this talk, and I'm going to try to just fly through it <clears throat> when pigs fly. Is there anything in your life that you say, yeah, when pigs fly, right? When that happens, right? When pigs fly, right? Think about a situation in your life when you're like, yeah, when pigs fly, because we know that pigs don't fly. So maybe I'll believe it when pigs fly. Maybe I'll do it when pigs fly. Luke chapter 8, if you have a Bible, this is our text this morning. Verse 26 through 39, they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. And it Jesus stepped ashore. Jesus didn't have to go here. He did. He went out of his way to go here. That's just, as you look at the life of Jesus Christ, he was all about people. He was a people person. He was always going out of his way. I mean, I think his, one of his mottos must have been no hurries, no worries, right? People were always getting ticked off because they were always waiting on Jesus, right? He was late to, to, to Lazarus. Lazarus died because Jesus wasn't there, right? If you, would, if you would have been here, if you would have showed up, it's what Mary and Martha said, he would have died. He didn't have a watch. The reason why he didn't show up was he was just wanting to make sure that he was dead so that when he was raised to life, there would be no questions that this was a miracle and that God would get the glory, right? So Jesus sails to this region of the Gerasenes, Cross the lake from Galilee, and Jesus steps ashore, and he's met by this man who's demon-possessed. He's from town. It tells us in Scripture for a long time. We don't know how long. We don't know how long, but it says a long time. So I'm just going to kind of read between the lines. It's been a long time since this guy has had any clothes on. So he runs to Jesus. He's naked. He doesn't have any clothes on. That's kind of scary, kind of weird. Jesus approaches this guy. It says that it's been a long time since he's worn clothes. It's been a long time since he's lived in a house. But he's been living in the tombs. So I just jotted down a couple quick notes. There was a time when this man did wear clothes. There was a time when this man did live in a home. There was a time when this man did live in community with other people. There was a time when this man spent time with his family and his friends. There was a time when this man was in his right mind. There was a time. It's been a long time, but there was a time that he was in his right mind. And now Jesus finds him He's not in his right mind. He's not himself. He doesn't have clothes. He doesn't have friends. He's living in isolation. Not a good place to be. In fact, in the very beginning when Jesus, or when, when, yeah, Jesus created, because Jesus did do the creating. God, in, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus created Adam and Eve, but before Eve, there was Adam, and only Adam, and God said, it's not good that you're alone. It's not good that you're alone. It's not good that you're living alone. You need a helpmate. You need somebody to do life with. And so may I just say that today, 
that if you're living in isolation, not a good place to be, not a good place to be where you're struggling all by yourself, you're struggling, you're alone. Let's do this together. Let's do life together. Let's struggle together. Let's not live in isolation. We're not here to judge you. We're not here to shame. We know you're messed up. And you know I'm messed up. So the secret, I mean, it's out. It's out there. Now that we've put it out there, we all struggle. Nobody's better than anybody else. So because we're in this together, let's struggle together. Life hasn't always looked this bleak for this man. What happened? How did we get from point A to point B? What happened? I don't know what happened. I know that there was a time that he was in his right mind, and I know now in this story, he's not in his right mind. I don't believe that it was something that just happened overnight. I don't believe it's like one day everything is great, we're doing a barbecue, or having friends over, the kids are running around playing, and life is good, and then you're in this remote place, secluded from everybody else, and you're all alone, and you're naked. Progression. But I know that this man was hurting. I know that this man was Living in isolation, I know that he had a lot of pain going on, a lot of hurt, a lot of brokenness. And I know that he was doing it all by himself. Nobody wanted to be, it was scary. People were afraid to go to this place. I mean, this guy's living among the dead, but he's not really living. This isn't the quality of life. Jesus came to give us life and life to the fullest extent. He's just existing. There's just a pulse. There's just a heartbeat, but he's not really alive. He's tormented. Day and night, he's tormented. His body is just raging and fighting against itself. And he's just, he's just a broken, hurting individual. You know, it tells us in Mark chapter 5, 5, that night and day, every single night and day, that this guy, and this isn't a new thing, this has been happening for years, and he's an adult, but night and day, He's cutting himself. Oh, you thought that was something that just started a few years ago with teenagers? This guy's an adult, and he's, he's, he's cutting himself. He would cry out and cut himself <clears throat> with the sharp stones. Why? Why do people cut? You know, it's... it's <clears throat> taking his mind off of the pain that's going on in his life and, it, and it's redirecting it. And that's why he's cutting. He's crying out. Nobody hears him. Jesus shows up. It's been a long time since this man has seen people. Why would Jesus go out of his way for someone who appears to be off the scale when it comes to mental health? And what does Jesus say to him? What's your name? What's your name? Aren't you glad that when Jesus sees us, he doesn't just see a problem. He doesn't just see a struggle. He looks at you. He says, you have a name. (laughs) What is your name? What is your name, child? What is your name? The God who knows us Jesus knew what his name was. 
But we have an enemy who, who says, this is what your name is. This is who you are. I love that song by Lauren Daigle, right? Talks about, you know, who we are. I mean, I know who I am in Christ. That's all that matters is what Christ says. What is your name? What does Christ say your name is? And this man replies, he says, <coughs> Legion. This is a name tag he's been wearing for a long time. He says, Legion, because many demons had gone into him and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. This was the host, you know? And I'm not at all, let me just be very, very vocal about this, not to be confused with demon possession and mental health, not at all. The point that I'm making here today is that this guy used to be in his right mind. He's no longer in his right mind, all right? We all have our demons, all right? 2020, we all have our demons in our lives that we're fighting. We all do. So let's just push that to the side, aside for a minute because even when Jesus approaches this man and talks to this man, not one time does Jesus say, go and live, go and sin no more. He doesn't, even, he doesn't, he doesn't call anything sin, in this man's life. He sees a broken, hurting man in a place where he's not in his right mental space. He sees a broken, hurting man that the enemy has used to destroy. And that's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy, the ultimate goal is destruction. And we see that when it doesn't work with this man who was right to the edge. They say, well, if we can't live here anymore, there needs to be a host. We need to occupy something. Can we go into these pigs? And Jesus orders them out of his body into this herd of pigs. You know the story. Thousand, I mean, crazy, right? And so these pigs... Just, it says a large herd of pigs were feeding on the hillside and the demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs. And Jesus gave them permission. And when the demon came out of the man, they went into the pigs, the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. Now that, that was a sight to see. Imagine being responsible for those pigs, taking care of those pigs, and then having to go to your boss and say, <laughs> it was a bad day at work. <laughs> a lot of bacon. We were watching these sheep, we were watching these sheep, watching these pigs, and all of a sudden they just rushed down this hill into the, into the lake, into the water, and they drowned. So when they saw what had happened, they ran off and they reported this all over town, and in the countryside, and the people went out to actually see it for themselves, what these people had reported. And I can just see, can you just see all these carcasses, all these pigs floating? They weren't flying, they were floating, right? And these people are kind of like, I don't believe it, like when pigs fly, right? Like this is crazy. They show up and they see Jesus, they see this man, who they had heard about, 
no doubt this was like the talk of town. Like, have you ever been to the garrisons? Have you ever seen this like crazy, crazy naked guy like out of his mind? And it says that they show up. They never showed up because they were afraid of this guy. This guy was like bound with chains and broke them. I mean, nobody wanted to go to this place. But they heard what had happened and what Jesus had, what Jesus had done, and they want to see it for themselves. They show up, and here they see Jesus, and they see this man who the demons had gone out of. He's sitting at Jesus' feet. He's dressed, and he's in his right mind. For years, he's been out of his mind. He's not been home. He's not been with family. He's not been with friends. He's been living in isolation. He's, it's been like a living hell for this guy. Tormented day and night, hurting, broken, crying out, cutting to God. Nobody heard him. Jesus heard him. And just to think <laughs> that there were people that were more concerned about the pigs and the value of the pigs than this man who is out of his mind, who's now sitting dressed in his right mind. Now, I love this. When they saw what was going on, when they saw that this guy was dressed, they were afraid of this man when he was naked and out of his mind. Now they see him and he's dressed in his right mind. It says they were afraid. <laughs> What happened? They're afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. I want to stop there just because, I mean, you know, there's people in our lives that we've been praying for, people that have struggled, have had struggles forever, and it, I mean, to be honest with you, that's just a question that I have for God. I mean, I, I trust God, and I, and I know that God doesn't cause these kinds of things. Like, I'm not saying God caused this. God allows things to happen, and I can't see the big picture. Some of us say, well, when I see Jesus, I got 10 questions. I'm going to ask him this, 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 this. I think when we see Jesus, according to what I've read, that we're going to be like him, and we're gonna, it's gonna just kind of like be like that moment where you go, I get it. Because I see him, and I'm like him, and I, I understand all things. Now, I didn't, I didn't on this side. I do on this side. I don't, I don't on this side. So I'm just trusting him. I'm not gonna give up praying. I'm not gonna give up doing the part that he's called me to do as a church. Us, what, what is our response to look like? I think our response is to be like Jesus, to follow in his footsteps, to go to the places where nobody else wants to go. And I feel like there's a lot of churches that don't want to go there. They don't want to talk about these things. You know, and it's, it's not just people that are attending churches or not attending churches. I mean, we have, we, have, we, have, we have a pastor just a couple hours from us in Riverside. You know, a, a huge church, Harvest, I mean, a huge church. You know, Jared, who, who not too long ago, you know, in September, you know, went to his son's Little League game and then or practice and then after practice went home 1130 at night and shot himself. And this was an ongoing struggle for this young man. I mean, they have a website that's set up for, you know, for people that are contemplating suicide or thinking about it. I mean, it's, it's, it's real. And he has had this struggle his whole entire, his whole entire life. 
And what people are trying to figure out is, is he going to be in heaven? Is he going to be in hell? (laughs) God is a good God. He's a gracious God. He's just, and he knows what we're dealing with and what we're going through. And I trust him. And I believe at the end of the day, God's going to do what's right. I don't put people in hell or keep people out. There's going to be a lot of people in heaven that I am surprised about and probably a lot of people in hell. I thought, wow, you should. He knows the heart. He knows the struggle and he's willing to just do it with us and to walk with us. He's our shepherd. And so when he sees this man, there's no condemnation. There's no judgment. There's no shame. There's no stigma. There's like, you're living in isolation. Like there's more to life. Jesus has mercy. Jesus speaks to this illness. Whatever, whatever name it was, he names it. He says, you are, you are more than your illness. I want to talk about your name. What is your name? I want to talk about you. And then this guy is just so touched and so ministered to. His life is forever changed. He's been given, he's been given a new lease on life. He's been given his life back. What does he want to do? He's excited. Helen, he's excited. He wants to tell his friends. He wants to go with Jesus. He's like, I want to hang out with you. I want to see this happen in other people's lives. And Jesus is like, I appreciate that. That's awesome. But what I want you to do, it's been a long time since you've been home. It's been a long time since you've been in community. You've been living in isolation. What I want you to do is I want you to go home. And I want you to tell your friends and your family members, how much God has done for you. We have a God who doesn't give up on us, amen? Beg to go with Jesus, but Jesus says, return home, tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. My hope today, you are not defined by your struggle. You are not destroyed by your struggle. My hope today is that you are delivered from your struggle and that God somehow, some way, that through this struggle, that you realize that you're not alone, that you're in a place where you can share. We're, we're creating that kind of culture. Just so you know, we're creating that kind of culture where you can come into this place and you can share your stuff and you're not going to be judged. You're not going to be shamed. I am so tired of fake shakes, plastic masks, plastic people. That's why we got rid of the plastic plants. I, I, I just, it's, it's time that we just get real. How many of you want just be real? I want to be in relationship with people that are real. People that struggle. You know, people that, I mean, there's times that we don't see eye to eye. There's times that we disagree. There's times that my wife will say, you're not acting like a pastor. (laughs) I hear that. I hate when she says that. (laughs) I say that to say that we're real people. And we're trying to figure it out. We're committed to each other. We're committed to God. We're committed to you. And and we need grace. I need grace because there's going to be days I blow it. You know, I was ordering the bumper stickers the other day for the church. I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm going to put one of those on my car. <laughs> if I'm going to, I better make sure that I'm driving like a Christian. And that I'm, you know, if you're, following, if you're following me this close, why not follow me to Radiant Life Church, right? 
God is good. Did you have anything that you wanted to... to there was something that we had talked about yesterday I, I that, think, about the body attacking and right well, off the cliff. I think cl- we, when, automatically when we speak this message, I'm listening through the lens of what my sister would hear. And I think we need to get better at that. Um, you know, there, as, I, as I mentioned before, a lot of times people who are struggling with mental health issues hear you say that, okay... Uh, all I need to do is uh, renew my mind. And they're always hearing us say, just pray a little bit more. Find community and it's going to go away. And I know that we, that isn't true, that we have health professionals even here today, that oftentimes we need to be the people that point them to help. But the truth is, and we even talked about how this message of this man who um, I believe was targeted as a host because he was struggling with mental health issues. So his struggle wasn't that he was demon-possessed. So we've got to be careful how we say that kind of stuff. His struggle was that he was left open to the enemy. And many of us are. Many people who struggle with mental health issues are left open to an enemy. And when, when, those, when the legions were into the, it found their way to the pigs... We saw immediately what, they, what their hope was for this man. They, the hope was that he would destroy himself and that he himself would eventually um, you know, drop off of a cliff as well. And we see that today. We see that with lonely people who feel isolated and alone. And so the story here today, we just have to be careful how we speak. And I think as a church... Our hope is that over time we, we become, begin to hear things the way that some might hear them, those who suffer uh, the most among us. And when someone's mind is turning on them, I have a sister whose body is turning on her, and I've got one sister whose mind is turning on her. And I, I bring that to you because it's the most practical way to say, here's one sister who has been embraced by her church, Melissa. Um, recently just got home, and and they put a gas fireplace in her home, her church family, so that she could sit as she's recovering from this chemo in front of a fire. But I have a sister sitting in Oregon alone today, suffering in silence, because it's an invisible disease that people will never truly understand. And I think that's important for me to say out loud, my sister herself, I speak often uh, on this subject because we're twins and how, what a unique kind of platform we have as a twin. Um, eventually, our hope is to write a book about our struggles together. But my sister will struggle for the rest of her life unless God sees fit to, to um, release her from this. Then she will. She'll struggle for the remainder of her life. And I I say to us as a church, what is our job? Because these aren't people that are going to come back and, what we fixed them. And, well, that's over. These are people that we commit to loving and to reminding them of truth every week that we see them. Saying, do you know what the truth is about you? Your name is not Legion. Your name is... And these are the people that we need to embrace the closest. And... One of the things that I was reminded of throughout the the few days that we spent together is that Jesus knew what it was like to be called crazy. He knew what that was like. And he has walked in our shoes and he understands, but he came for the broken.
So this is the kickoff, and this is what our hope is, that throughout the next several weeks, we're going to open ourselves up as a church and say, let's do this. Let's minister. Let's really minister. Let's not just say we are going to minister, but let's really and truly minister to the hurting. As we, as we bow and as we pray, we're going to sing a song as we get ready to leave. And after the song is sung, you can feel free to leave. Be out back um, just greeting people as well. Kelly and myself will both stay as long as we need to stay. If there's anybody that wants to talk or wants to pray, maybe for someone else, maybe for yourself. Um, we do have hope. We do have hope in, in, in a Jesus Christ and he is our healer today. He's responsible for our healing, and he's a God who, who is with us. Amen? You'll never leave us, never forsake us. You don't need to do this alone. Gracious God, we thank you today for loving us, for never giving up on us. I'm reminded even now, as Jesus Christ was overwhelmed, overwhelmed with sorrow and grief, Felt like he was forsaken, forgotten. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There are times that we feel that way. There are times that we feel all alone. Times that we we are doing life by ourselves. Times that life just is so much bigger than we are. It's just hard. It's messy. It's not easy. The struggle is very real. We thank you, Jesus, that you are greater than the struggle. We thank you that you are with us that you're not going to let us go, that you're going to be with us, that your rod and your staff are going to bring comfort and you're going to lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't need to be afraid because you are with us. Thank you for this truth. Help us as a church to be sensitive. Help us to, when it comes to the stigma, when it comes to people living in isolation, would you open up our eyes so that we can see people so that we can do life with people the way that you've called us to. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.